Welcome to Sound and Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors, who make amazing acrylic and oil paint, watercolors, and painting mediums. Made in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden sets the standard for art materials. You can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum has an incredible array of roasted coffee beans that you can order and have delivered to your door. They even have a subscription service of curated blends that you can order by visiting their website fulcrumcoffee.com. Sound and Vision listeners can get 20% off their order by adding the code Alfred Studio at checkout. Check out Fulcrum for some amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com. Sound and Vision is also supported by NYC Crit Club. NYC Crit Club is now enrolling through September 18th for their fall 2022 semester. NYC Crit Club offers Zoom courses that connect artists around North America and across the world, as well as in-person courses which are hosted in their 550-square-foot studio space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Course options range from group critique to visiting critic programs, seminars, and writing, as well as material-based courses. NYC Crit Club is proud to offer 17 different courses which will be led by new and returning faculty members, including the director of Anton Kern Gallery, Bridget Mahalan and artists Anna Valdez, Avery Z. Nelson, Jarrett Key, Mira Shore, Chris Bogia, Rose Nestler, among many others. NYC Crit Club is a Brooklyn-based artist-run program and was founded by Catherine Haggerty and Hilary Doyle in 2017 and is currently directed by Catherine Haggerty. NYC Crit Club is proud to offer BIPOC scholarships and financial aid for artists in need, if you would like to learn more, please visit nyccritclub.com or follow on Instagram at nyccritclub. Have you gotten a copy of Why I Make Art, the Sound and Vision podcast book out now? It features features on 30 artists who've been on the podcast, themed sections of quotes and words of wisdom, sketches from the artist, and much more. It's 25 bucks, and you can get it from Altelier Editions and online wherever books are sold. If you have it, please share it with others or leave a review online where you picked it up. With school starting this week, I hope many students and teachers feel inspired by the artists and stories in the book. The foreword was written by Rishikesh Hirway of Song Exploder Podcast and Netflix Show. Be sure to check it out, and thanks for supporting the podcast. Casey Cook received her master's degree from the University of California in Los Angeles, and she's participated in numerous group and solo exhibitions in Los Angeles, New York City, and North Carolina at galleries and museums, including Dan Bernier Gallery, Lehman Maupin, I-20, Branch Gallery, Light Art and Design, Lump Gallery, and the Nasher Museum. Her most recent solo show, Kissing the Scarecrow, was in May of this year at Shrine in New York City. Casey works in a multitude of genres, including sculpture, video, film, music, and predominantly painting. She was a founding member of an art rock band, Americans in France, and currently fronts Sunny Slopes. She's working on a solo album of her music collaborations to be released in 2023. Casey and I spoke about talking through windows, finding faces, playing music, kid critiques, and much more. Here's our conversation. 
your your CV tells me you were born in Belfont. Yeah, I was. And th- is so, that that's where you're from? Or are you? No, I, I'm from Pittsburgh, but I okay. went to undergraduate at Penn State, and I teach there now. So it's oh, I've spent wow. time in Belfont. Well, I have not. Since Did you I was, were you born and born and gone? Yeah, or were you born yeah. and raised? Born and gone. Um, my dad taught there. So uh, when you were very little. Yeah, when I was little. Um, then he moved. Yeah. So I do want to go back someday because I feel like I was born there. You yeah, know, it's maybe, the origins. Yeah, maybe there's something I need to discover, rediscover. Um, but it's a. I mean, as far as well, you should tell me. Is it? It's kind of like a small college town. Well, Belfont is. Um, it's not even a college town. It's. I mean, it's next to Penn State, but I think the only people who live there associated with Penn State work there. Not so many students or anything. So it's pretty quiet. Okay. There is or was. I haven't been there in a little while, but there. Um, there was a great indoor sort of flea market thrift store situation. It was pretty cool. Wow. I might go just for that. Yeah. It's worth, I mean, I used to make the trip just for that. And you know, Inca Essenhigh was born in Belfont too. What? I did not know that. Yeah. You're not the only artist to come out of Belfont. Crazy. <laughs> did she leave right away too? Or I believe that's she- test. That's testing my biographic <laughs> memory of the podcast, but I believe she wasn't there that long. Yeah. I, th- I think she was there longer than, you know, a couple weeks, though. Well, I, I was there longer than a couple weeks, but... How long... What, when did you move? How old were you? Um, I think I was maybe two or three. Okay. So no memories? No. Just the no. sonic resonance, if you go back. Yeah. And I, I, I do love thrifting, and I do love a flea market, so maybe... I don't know. There's maybe some, it came maybe, from there. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. To, it's like that with, I mean, you know, being from Pennsylvania and driving across it a bunch. There's some great thrift store activities. You know, there's stuff that's just sits in places in that state, I think, and stays in a garage for like 80 years and becomes kind of like a gold mine, you know? What's your, do you have a a particular thing that you're looking for when you go or a collection? Well, well, when I was younger, I shopped because I was poor. So I, I shopped it for like, I bought nothing but like floods, like khakis that were like short and then Izod or Garanimals uh, V-necks from thrift stores. So that was my, and records. So it was like right. records and then, you know, clothing, like indie rock clothing was my, you know, was on the order. And then when I got older, I, you know, I stopped going when I just bought clothes normally. I kind of grew out of the desire to wear secondhand clothes. And then um, my family, my extended family loves jadeite and like like that kind of stuff. So we would go looking for that. And Wait, there's what, a lot of it. What's that? Jadeite is that greenish Martha Stewart-y looking glassware stuff that's, you know, it's like vintage like cups and saucers, the really pretty green color. Okay. So that was uh, well, like the li- just lime. Upgraded. I know. I, I sorry. I, <laughs> I realized that you were, you sounded really Talking loud, and I could barely hear myself. So that, um, you you fixed it. Gonna hold the microphone in my hand nice. now. Um, um, 
like the clear green glass is yeah. that why like a lime kind of green yeah it's kind of like translucent yes okay and you know it's like sought after stuff so but there's yeah. a lot of it in pennsylvania oh. so that was like the recent stuff okay glassware and art old art books are fun to find yeah you find a lot of those yeah what was your thrift storing well draw well i still have i still I was just went yesterday thrifting, actually, to be honest. Um, my I've had to limit it because I just forced myself to pick one thing so that I don't right. have a lot of things. Clutter. Clutter. Yeah. So my one thing now is heads, like busts, oh, like nice. a head, um, like a homemade head, not like a, you know replica or cast or something right um so yeah that's that's my thing and they there's not so many of them so it's like really fun to seek it dig deep yeah Yeah. seek it am i am i gonna find that treasure you know right that makes it exciting like if you're looking for herb albert records you're gonna get one (laughs) at every single thrift store in the world yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah head Ahead, and, w- and it goes along the lines of I also collect kids' um, ceramics, like stuff that was made in art class that right. somehow some parent gave away, which I don't understand how they end up in thrift stores, but they do. And so I collect those also, like a really like fucked up head or a fucked yeah. up like bowl or <laughs> or um, mug. I mean, they're amazing. Well, let's say let's say they have character. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much everything a three-year-old is going to be a little messed up, but yeah, it's well, got, I mean, I mean that in the best way possible. I of mean, course, yeah. I feel yeah. like I feel like I should show you an example, but I won't right okay. now. But <laughs> I, I can um, picture. It. <laughs> can you? I, I'm sure I don't I think know. I've made I don't a couple know. Of those in my early days. <laughs> Not the head. I bet I. I bet I have trends. some that would blow your mind. Okay. Maybe afterwards. One time, yeah, maybe later. One time I saw, I did not buy this piece, you know, for 50 cents, but it was a kid's, um, like, bowl or coffee mug, and it had swastikas all over it. That was pretty effed up. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy some of the stuff you find. Like, I remember um, playing music and driving across the country, and sometimes you go to a thrift store in the middle of nowhere. And you find some really weird stuff, some relics. You yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are crazy. Um, but we should say that you—I believe you are in North Carolina now. Yes. Yes. Which is, I could imagine. It's been a while since I've been in North Carolina, but I can imagine lots of good thrifting. Yeah. Um, not so much. I'm in Carborough, Chapel Hill area. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to go a little bit outside of town right i mean not far but um there's a place called burlington north carolina they have a like just everywhere everywhere their stores and they also have a gigantic store that i think probably used to be i want to say like a walmart although it wasn't that but it's that big of a size right that's been converted into different people having like booths or a little section it's called granddaddy's it's huge 
And you can just spend a whole day in there getting lost. That and that's amazing. Yeah. Do you ever get things that inspire stuff visually in your work? Yeah. Or is it separation of church and state on that? Um, no. I mean, everything filters in whether I want it to or not, I'm sure. But I take a lot of pictures and videos because I'm trying not to like buy all those things. That right. <laughs> filling um, up your space with them yeah yeah but for sure um all the time especially like colors you know or shapes or um but yeah there's something about that searching for a treasure that's so fascinating yeah. for me um well so what happened with uh, just getting back to pennsylvania where did you move after I'm guessing his um, dad got a teaching change. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Did that happen a lot? Um, it did until we moved here. <laughs> or they're my, uh, they're still here. My parents are here in okay. in Chapel Hill. So after that they've they'd stayed here. So um Oh, that was the second stop? No. The second oh, okay. the second stop was um outside of Chicago in Evanston. Okay. So my dad taught at um in chicago in the city and we lived in evanston until i was five and i do i have a lot of memories of that um like a bunch of little kids running around alleyways and all the houses had alleys behind them and um really my best friend lived right in the house right next door to ours and we could talk to each other through our bedroom windows at night and we That's would cool. put the fan in the window so your voice is all like, ooh, ooh you know. Right, right. Um, that, was, that was really cool. Um, and then he decided to leave there and got a job at Research Triangle Institute, which is um, RTI, which is just a huge place here in Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill. That's the Triangle. Yeah, uh, and it's a huge research institute, which back then was not as huge as it is now. Now it's like gigantic, um, like a huge campus, and that brought us to Chapel Hill, which was um, a neighborhood in the woods with all the houses totally spread out and no kids around to play with, and just this completely different, different than being. Um, in Evanston, like, right, which is also a and, suburb, but it was way more people, more kids around and stuff close together. So, yeah. So I imagine enter in more boredom and, and imagination. Yeah, and absolutely. Climate. Absolutely. Yeah. Playing in the woods, playing in the woods right. a lot in the Creek, making, digging in the mud, making, uh, uh, I made a lot of potions and concoctions. Right. A lot of potions, yeah. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have an older sister. Okay. She's four Probably years like older. Four years older? Yeah. How did my you know that? My brother's four years older. So what is up with that? I was talking to another friend yesterday, same age amount of space between. Like, was that a thing that parents, like, how did that, it seems like a very so. common distance age yeah i have two theories one is my parents used to say that they would always say like oh four years is a good amount of time so maybe it was just like you know oh that's how long you should wait 
maybe four years is how long how long it takes for a parent to forget just how <laughs> crazy being a parent is, and then you're like, oh, let's try this again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe so, yeah. Like you get out of that baby fog when they're right. like newborns. You get right. four years, and you're like, oh, all right, they're mobile. They they start, and you're like, we can do that again. Yeah, we can go through all that. <laughs> it's. I always wished it was a little bit closer because I was not like in high school the same time as my sister. It might I was be for the best though. Well, I guess so. Well, she was also like super, super like straight A smart. So I oh, had, yeah. and I was not. So it was like, oh, you're Stacia's little sister. You're blah blah blah. And I was like, eh. um, but <laughs> We're not the same. <laughs> not the same. <laughs> Not the same, but we, it's interesting. I don't know. So is yours, did you say it's a brother or a sister that's older yeah, than you? Yeah, yeah. He's four-year-old. Okay. I have a four-year-old brother. Okay. A four-year-old older brother? Yeah. Four no, year- he's not four now. <laughs> that would be amazing. I feel like that's what you just said. I probably did. <laughs> I've been known to not speak clearly, <laughs> especially when I haven't had over two cups of coffee. Oh. Yeah. I'm working on it. It's okay. Um... I find that, I don't know if you do, I don't know where your brother lives. Is he? Denver. Oh, so it might be different, but I'm like really close with my sister now, like closer than I ever was. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like that? It's so cool. Yeah. 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 You grow, like there's that time when you're younger where you're on each other's nerves all the time where you don't want to be around though. You're just like, ugh, you know? And then whenever you go off to school and stuff, you end up getting closer, I think. I don't yeah. know if that's for everyone, but that's how it worked for me. And I know some of my friends who have that situation. Yeah, same. And especially for us, um, for myself and my sister, we, you know, our parents are still together and still live in Chapel Hill. And so you kind of, I think, if you're fortunate enough to have siblings and family that you love, you kind of like, come together to look after them when they're older and that makes a bond, I think. Um, I think that's, well, this is going to sound bad. Well, I think that tends to be also more prevalent or, um, this is not true probably, but for, for girls, for daughters than sons, I feel like sons move away a little further and maybe they're a little less caretaking. That is so. My wife puts it. No, that's so interesting because my father is. That's mainly he has like a uh, like Lewy body disease, which is kind of like a form of dementia slash Mm -hmm. um, Parkinson's, like all that family. Um, But he always says like anybody he meets have girls, have daughters, have daughters. Like he's (laughs) he's like they'll take care of you. He's very and I never really like realize that <laughs> but i think it's it, well there's this my wife's always telling me well you know we have a son and she's like oh, oh think you're, about screwed, a you're screwed yeah yeah <laughs> think about a daughter is they'll come back where the boys they go they go outside they go find someone and then they go with them all the time i'm like yeah like i'm with your family all the time oh. exactly. Good point. okay so yeah i didn't i don't have any brothers so i'm not but that does make sense yeah because i, I mean, see yeah i, I haven't 
No, right. well, yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing. This is not set in stone, or right, we haven't right. researched this or anything. But no, this is um, based on no research. Right, right. <laughs> it's just a feel. Yeah, but my nephew, who is now twenty, early twenties, mm-hmm. has a girlfriend. She's rad, and they're like moved in together. And I do see that he's kind of like doing a lot with her family. Yeah, I think that happens. You know. You know? Mm-hmm. But then I always say to my wife, well, what, what do you really want a son who's like, mom, like always around and like never wants to leave and is like way too like attached? And she's like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you want him to go do the thing, you know? No, she's like, here, that's good. How old is your son? He's 15. Oh, teenager. Yeah. Yeah. A New York City 15, I think. Oh my gosh. Brand yeah. 15. At least from when you know when i grew up being 15 do you but, tell um, do you tell him not to be an artist and to be um, like a doctor or a lawyer no, or something no I'm not. what i I've, i'm perfectly situated in the middle i think of do what you want to do just do it go all out basically that's fair yeah i don't want to choose why would i want to impose influence on some other human's life on what they should do you know no no other than staying out of like you know trouble and all that stuff. yeah do your thing man no i agree i I say that jokingly but i do kind of like tell my niece and nephews and other kids that but stay away from art yeah but i'm kind of joking (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's hard I mean, it, but then yeah. again, is anything easy? Like you're either going to be, have a hard time doing something creative that you like to do, but it's tough, or you're going to be miserable doing something that pays okay, but you're just not that into it. So it's not like there's an easy out lottery, except for, you know. Well, yeah, you just got to, yeah, just find something you're into, I guess. Or hit the lottery. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, a, there's a big one. I mean, I forgot to buy a ticket yesterday, but I was, I thought about it. Why not, right? Yeah. I mean, I know it's never good at statistics anyway, so might as well start playing the lottery. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to scratch off those things. and then, I know, right? You know? It's, it's the anticipation that feels good. Like, it could be possible. Yeah. I always give them out as presents, like birthday presents. My, buy, buy a bunch that's for nice. <laughs> Like, I might change your life here. That's yeah. a very sweet gesture, <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, you know, you don't have you don't have to like give me anything, or you know, I mean, they might right. they might throw me like a few oh the kickback. million. Oh, you're like hey, I'm not hey, expecting hey. I'm not expecting right. it, you right. know. But yeah, but if they hit the mega millions and won three hundred million and didn't give you anything, you'd probably be like, come on. I mean, at least I the twenty bucks for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that is that all you would give? Yeah, right. Just just I. I I would go. give I would give more than the twenty bucks. Oh, I would I would hook them up. I'd buy my house or you know a Bugatti. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a lottery, you know. My son always thinks it's hilarious that because he's asked me that if I won the lottery, I would still do what I'm doing. He thinks that's really kind of funny. Oh, really? Yeah. What he's is like, oh, it doesn't matter if you did the lottery; you'd still be painting. <gasps> well, yeah. He gets it. Um, that's a good question, though. Would the doctors and lawyers still be doing that if they won the lottery? Doctors, maybe not lawyers. <laughs> a lawyer's, you know what I mean. That's like, yeah, 
no right. sense in doing that. There's no That's doctors. True. At least you have the, uh, you know, you're helping people. Well, sorry, some... I'm kidding. Lawyers. <laughs> I know. I, I'm joking, but seriously. Okay. So lawyers, like the good you know. lawyers, like that do not like a good lawyer, but like do good Pro things bono. for people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They would keep doing it. Not at all. They would go buy an island and rest. They'd be like, I put that work in for humanity and now I'm done. I'm taking care of me. Well, I would, <laughs> I would buy an island, but I would still make art. So. Put an easel on there, get Blick to deliver yeah. some supplies. I mean, yeah, I, that's, that's my plan regardless of whenever I win the, <laughs> the Boy, lottery that's or not. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like an island, you just wake up, you have some juice. From yeah. the tree fruit that fell, and then you go to the <laughs> studio, which is a beach, and you just make work. Yeah, that sounds yep. pretty good. You just need like something to block the wind sometimes, probably. That's true. Well, you know, um, we could put your mansion to the west side of your studio, so it blocks the breeze. Mm, See, I yeah. think we're doing a service here for all the uh, young art students. This is how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> buy lotto tickets yeah just pool in with the whole floor get the I whole mean, art department i think that this could be part of the podcast right. you know like right <laughs> you Pooling together lottery tickets. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the sound and vision lottery all, I'm, all i'm saying is i'm in okay i'm, I'm, in, in, I'm in on this so uh, we've I'm, got two people okay. i'll go how about this i'll go buy after this later today i'm gonna buy Two tickets. Okay. And I'll, I'll share with you whatever I went. Okay. We okay. got to give a little to like art schools and stuff. Or maybe we can make a scholarship. Yes. Okay. So those are two agreements. All right. right? See, this is we're share We're sharing it. We're sharing it. And then we're going to make an art school or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Doesn't it? Yeah. And then the All next right. person you have on, you know, we can, let's just let it trickle and well, I mean, buy tickets. We, and Yeah. If we all pull together, we'll probably have a, it's like an office pool, but it's a podcast pool. Yeah. We'll probably. But I think that we're going to win. So it might not need to, you might not have to do this again. One and done. <laughs> it sounds good. All right. We'll, we'll, yep. we'll plan it afterwards. Yeah. We'll t- <laughs> we can, we can come back, circle back to that later. Okay. Wait, quick question. Was your... Um, when your dad was teaching, I'm, I'm assuming he's retired, but when he was teaching, yes. what was the area of study? Um, political science. Sure. Yeah. That sounds good. And what about mom? Was mom creative? Yes. Uh, my mom was, um, super creative and she was a weaver. Nice. She made, I, oh, I have one. Hmm. Wait, can you, no, you can't see it. There's one like right over here. I'll show After the podcast, could, yeah, I'm going to get I'll a, show you later. a full, full yeah. tour. Um, she was a weaver. We, there's still a room in their current house that they're in that we still call the weaving room because mm-hmm. one entire wall was a loom that she nice. made. Um, so really big pieces. And then she, um, you know, had two little kids and got a job in real estate and kind of stopped weaving and making art. And, but was really successful. And then with a group of women sort of like left that company she had been working for, all the women left and they started their own real estate company in town called the home team. (laughs) You know, it's a big, uh, (laughs) I can see the billboard now. Yeah. It's a big, you know, college sports town, right? Chapel Hill, UNC. 
Tar Heels, you know. I I went to Duke soccer camp as a kid. What? Yeah. Ah, okay. So I I mean if if that memory serves as accurate, I mean I can't remember last week, but uh, you know <laughs> I have a little bit of experience. And then when my band played, we would, I think we went through North Carolina, but we didn't play on campus. I don't think. Did you play at the Cat's Cradle? Did we? I can't remember. Oh, uh, that's like the the big club in town. It's kind we of. Might have. It's been there forever and ever and ever. It's a, again the memory bad bad news. Probably not though if I don't remember. It's even in they even name it in a Sonic Youth song actually. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, is uh, I imagine Superchunk play there a bunch. Yeah. Aren't they based in? They still do. Ba- yeah. Boy, did I love that band in school. Really? The energy. I mean, that on the mouth record, well, CD, got so much play in the studio. I think I like wore out the the reflectiveness on that CD. It was, that was a good one. That's awesome. Yeah, they're, well, Mac and Laura started a record label. Merge. Yeah. Yeah. And that's here. So, um, that is fortunate because so many bands come through and play here and it's it's a huge music place right like that so that's that's pretty fun yeah so and you have a history of music i believe yeah how did that start um chicken and the egg was it like as a kid were you was music in the house were you drawing no i mean obviously mom was artistic so how did the how did it all line up there was no music it's funny i still I mean, it's been like 20 years that I've been playing music, but I still feel like I'm not really a musician or I'm like came to it so late. Um, I was dating somebody who was a musician and they were looking for, they needed a drummer for their band and were kind of like auditioning people in my art studio coming through there and just couldn't find the right um, drummer for what they wanted mm-hmm. and so finally i was like why don't you just teach me to play the drums and i'll do it and yeah and that was it and i it just was like such a challenge especially drums and this whole like your whole body involved um it's good to stay fit i mean you're using everything <laughs> it's not like yeah. playing guitar where you're just moving your hand around <laughs> it's physical it's so physical, and I, that was so interesting for me after just being in there painting alone for, you know, having done that for years, and the collaboration was so interesting. Um, so that's when it started, when I was, like, 30. Um, and I was, and I played drums in a couple different bands. Like, that was in New York when that started, and then when I moved to Chapel Hill from New York, I started a band called Americans in France here and was the drummer. Um, And it was so (laughs) (laughs) nerve-wracking playing drums. (laughs) Like, Did you take to it or did you really have to like get it? You know what I mean? Or was uh, it natural? It was not natural, but like I definitely practice a lot. Yeah. And, and practice to a click track a lot and like me and thought about it a lot. Was it yeah. natural? Really? <laughs> Just worked at it. What what age did you start making art? I mean, I started drawing and stuff in like, 
you know, when I was a kid, but not until like high school art was, you know, Oh, like art, art. And I started like, was introduced to that, but I wasn't, I was never the kid who could like draw something and make it look like, you know, Metallica record cover or anything. Right. Right. You know, not the currency that gets you places in high school. (laughs) That is such (laughs) a, that is such a currency. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I was broke. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I went another route. (laughs) Were you, were you playing music then? Uh, yeah, I was in high school band with, um, yeah, with, with guys who are still out there making music now, you know. So that Chicago. was, uh, so like that was currency. Like you were oh yeah, yeah. In, a, in a rock band in high school? And on the soccer team. So I did okay. That's cool. That's way cooler yeah. than, you know, drawing the Metallica, well. The Metallica <laughs> covers? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's a different crowd, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how it is though. When you're young like that, it's like. You, the art being sort of having capital and making art or drawing or whatever is just like your technical skills. Like, you yeah, know, if you can, if you can I didn't, I didn't really have like them. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really have that either. Yeah. That I, had, I was creative, but uh, yeah, the technical, not, yeah. not, you know, I, that doesn't, that still doesn't matter. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that, but well, <laughs> I'm not as needs to matter. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, 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 for sure. And you, you know, can you learn that. School, you can learn exactly. that and figure that out. You can't. I don't think you can learn the other part. Right. You know. Yeah. You just so. gotta work. Yeah, it's true. And you know that capital. Whenever you go to art school, it's like gone basically because there's a bunch of people who can draw like something else, and it's like, okay, well, how's the ideas? You know, like. Oh yeah. Then those. I kind of think then those people are kind of screwed. Like yep. the super technical people. Right. I mean, once again, no haven't done any studies on this or anything but right um <laughs> we're establishing our lack of research right on our on our theorems but anyway but I've, I've seen those people struggle at the creative yes. side or thinking outside of that technical box and i think that probably is like a rude awakening for sure for, and the, you know? the hardest part is when they have to like try to unlearn it or just move past leaning on their abilities and that seems like the biggest challenge for them because it's yeah. like they're abandoning. Uh, same thing with music. Like I had a friend growing up who was like, you know, could play every Metallica solo, but then like to write a song was a whole different challenge. And yeah. then you know, what do you do? Can you? Can you? And I, I listened to oh, it was a long time ago. I, th- I believe it was an interview with the guy from Vampire Weekend. He was talking about how his limitations help him be creative in the songwriting process, which I think is really interesting. Sometimes you have to use your, you know, inability to open up a door of creativity in a way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I totally believe in unlearning everything. I mean, that's what I think artists all have to do in a way. Um, Like Picasso was a master at that. Yeah. Like abandoning proficiency and just get into the root of it or something but then oh. it's easy for say for people like me who aren't naturally gifted i lean on that a little heavy like the yeah it's better not to be good at something no i don't <laughs> believe that i don't believe that i mean i think i i envy that that the drummer i was when i was first learning right when i when right. i was like uh just so basic and doing like I look for a drummer like that now. Like, I love that. But at Isn't the time, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, I have to practice and do this exactly. Like, uh, I want right. to, I need to do a big fill here. And now I'm like, fuck fills. Like, 
what? No, like, I just love the li- that. Yeah, so I get what you're saying, but there's such a beauty in that. I mean, you know, like collecting the kids' uh, coffee mug where the handle's right. like, you know, this five feet long or something. Not not exactly five feet long, but yeah, I do have a coffee. Yeah, greener, right? Like, you always want that. Yeah. Like, when you're not as skilled, you want to be, like, you know, you want to have put the hours in and become you know, fluent. And then mm-hmm. once you're fluent, you're like, Oh, if I could only get back to when I didn't know anything. It's like that with art. Yeah. I think like, yeah. I think of those early days of undergraduate school when I was just learning like who Bruce Nauman and you know, who like, um, Anna has or like, or, or, or Eva has, I mean, all these people were that I'd never seen before. That I was like, what is this? You know? And it was like, yeah. the world was like open. And then you kind of, you, you learn about all of it and you're like, Oh, I just want to get back to that original energy. Yeah, and I think that that's a nice challenge. Um, and I, I work. I've I've taken care of kids a lot. I don't have any kids of my own, but I've taken care of kids a lot in my life. Friends, kids, other kids, um, and I often have them in my studio with me. And the most recent little girl that I was taking care of, uh, Madeline, is her name. She would just start sort of, I guess she was maybe like from five to seven when this was happening. She would start like mimicking what I was doing, what I was painting and make like her own version of it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so much better. (laughs) You're like, um, how much will it take? How much do you need per hour to start putting this to work? Right. Well, I would just start to be like, Hey Madeline, what do you think of this over here? And just oh, like, yeah. she was like, you know, what would Madeline do? Yeah. And she'd be like, uh, you know, and it was so fascinating for me. And I could tell that like, it made her feel important that she, you know, um, I really was asking her opinion, you know, like I legit. Yeah. Right. Um, and one, it's funny too, because I'm thinking now last time I saw her, I was making all this work with out of concrete. Like I had this huge, like concrete body of work during the pandemic. And yeah. And she came over during that and I showed her some and she was like checking it out into it. And then she's just like, why don't you start making like, paintings again <laughs> nice she's like uh i think you should make paintings i was like okay fine who is this madeline we gotta get her signed up <laughs> I know. SBA. Let's get I her know. the crazy scholarship. the crazy thing is i found her on craigslist like her mom put an ad on craigslist for someone to take care of her after for school yeah yeah and it was me and i'm like it was just meant to be Oh, and also... She was a great critiquer. Well, the other thing that's fascinating about that is that she's a selective mute. So she only speaks to certain people. And her her mom didn't tell me that either. So I didn't realize until... I mean, I figured, oh, she's really shy. Didn't really, you know, didn't talk to me the first day. And when her mom... We've all practiced a little bit of selective mute-ism, I think, in our life. But not... Obviously, this is a yes. serious thing. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't talk to her teachers or anything. And so her mom, or I took her home, and her mom was like, oh, did she talk to you at all? And I said, oh, no, not really. And she said, oh, yeah, she doesn't talk to people. 
I'm like, oh, good to know. Um, and then after about three weeks of watching her, being with her in the studio, doing stuff with her, um, I started like making, like trying to, com- <laughs> trying to communicate with her using animal sounds mm-hmm. and she would repeat them back to me. So she kind of like started talking with that, you know? Maybe and then, safer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, um, she just, you know, completely started talking to me. And and now she won't stop talking to me. Now she's giving me <laughs> critiques in my studio. That's great. It's like, all right, all right, man. I get it, I get it. I need to read. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a critic. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's really cool, though, to get that. And I feel like, uh, I, you know, I say it a lot that I feel like we're always trying to get back to that point of when yep. drawing as a kid was, like, free and easy and you didn't yeah. care about it. It was like, yeah. even if you didn't have that, the idea of that, of just, like, being able to work in a void and you're just expressing yourself without the weight of the world, you know? Which yeah, cause it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Because <laughs> at a certain age, they all want to, you know, draw the same. Well, I don't know what are what the kids are drawing now, and whatever the popular like cartoon is. Yeah, I don't know what the kids. Yeah, you know, I there was a point when I thought she was drawing these really fascinating like faces and things, and then I later realized they were from some like current cartoon or something. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I love it when before they're. They're wanting to do what their friends are all drawing, you know? Yeah. It's raw. Like it's untainted. Yeah. 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 And I think that happens too with, again, to the like early days of undergraduate or something like that, where you're making stuff that's almost primal. Like you're, you're still not aware of all the canon of art history and all that stuff. And you're just kind of like going for it. Yeah. And then I've seen it with students where you critique them or you see that early work and you're like, oh yeah, there's something in here. Cause you see something that really resonates. And then they see the people whose work like someone invariably says like oh you should look at you know whoever helen frankenthaler next thing you know it's like oh man now now i can't do that anymore you know what i mean it's almost like that stuff limits you in a way when it's free and easy i know it's like you don't want to say too much but you don't want to not introduce them to certain artists that might you know that might blow they, their minds a bit. And they need to know about it because they it's need to like know if, about, yeah. You know, if someone plays the riff to Stairway to Heaven and they've never <laughs> heard Zeppelin before and you're like, that's nice, but, but it sorry. could be a little problematic. You're going to have to know about this song. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get kicked out of every guitar center in the world. <laughs> um, so well, let's go back. So you, okay. we were getting into art versus music. So right. growing up, you didn't really have a lot of music around no. and that came later. Yeah. So was it, was it art from like the high school on? Like how did, what, what was the school decision? How did it enter in a more, you know, uh, academic way or, or like, I'm going to start taking more classes. And well, cheating. I was just bad at everything else. No, I'm just kidding. A process of elimination. <laughs> like physics. Nope. Science. No. Not happening. I actually, so growing up in... I don't think I have a Southern accent at all. Do I? No, not anymore. Maybe you did at one point. Maybe, but I say y'all, but sometimes, but anyways, so growing up here, I did once have a math teacher 
that had a Bible on her desk and she prayed for me to do well on a test once. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah. But no, math was not my thing. Um, I had an amazing art teacher <laughs> in. Wait, we're just going to let that go. <laughs> so was the theory that God wasn't aware that he implanted or she implanted mathematics in your brain and that she was going to pull for God to go ahead yeah. and lend you some some special ability on this one? I didn't really question it. I just um, <laughs> still failed the test. So, well, didn't I believe guess, in God anymore. I guess the good Lord wanted you to skip math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it was. It's for a reason. It was yeah. for a reason. Um. Yeah, and I forgot what I was. Well, did you take an art class, and that re- you yes. kind of resonated with you? I mean, yeah, I had, I had, I had amazing art teachers in high school. I was very That'll fortunate. And um, spent a lot of time in the art room, you know. It's the funnest my... room to be in, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, know? spent my lunches in there and made stuff. And um, yeah, that's really what, you know, and my aunt, I have an aunt that's an artist. My grandmother was a painter. Um, so I had, it was accepted in my family. You know, it wasn't like, what are you doing? Right. Uh, so... I just, I never question, I mean, it's interesting because I have friends, I have people in my life that are still looking at what their passion is in life or what they want to do or these things. And like, I just never, I just never did that. Like, this is just always what I did and what I was going to do. It's nice, right? Well, I feel like maybe the guilt of having that thing that you're passionate about is offsets the difficulties of like you were saying earlier, of being an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not an easy path, but it is nice to know what you love to do. Because some people yeah. never find it. No, I know. I know. And it doesn't mean I haven't questioned it a million times or I haven't had like a million side hustles to make money or I haven't, of course. you know, yeah. all, all the other stuff. Um, but I never was like, what do I want to do? You know? Yeah. Um, it's like, how do I do what I want to do more? So, Which, which I think the advantage is if... If you know what it is you want to do, you can work hard in those other areas because there is that payoff of being able to say, okay, well, now I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to carve myself time for the thing that I really like to do. At least you know what you're working for. I think a lot of other people who don't ever find that just fill the void with like shopping or vacations or something else, you know? Yeah. Like I, I don't, think I don't know. vacation to the studio works. Like I can go on vacation and just go paint for a week with no one bugging me. That's a vacation. Right. But, but I also a, think not according but, to my family, but just me. <laughs> That's not a vacation for them. But I also think on the flip side is they some people are not always constantly walking around with this thing in their head that's that's a filter over everything they see or every experience they have or every color or shape. Like you, you never get away. I mean, you never really get away from it. That's true. You know, I mean, maybe it kind of, you can never take a break from it in a way. Yeah, exactly. Although the older I get, I feel like I'm I'm able to, I'm able to, to couch it for a little bit for my mind's sake. I also have the older I've gotten realized that. As well. Or I'm able to tell myself, if this isn't fun, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't have to keep doing this particular part of this painting or work in this way. If it's not fun, like, I can 
change it up or, you know. Yeah. Whereas before I would have really gone down a rabbit hole to like make, make it work or to torture myself a bit more with, um, feeling guilty. Like, why am I not in my studio right now? Why I should be blah, blah, blah. And now I'm, I'm not as much like that. That's one advantage of aging. There's a few I'm realizing. Yeah. I I didn't, I, I was more worried about getting older, but I'm realizing there's some kind of cool advantages. Definitely. I know. I agree. I think we're, maybe we're in a, we're roughly the same age. Maybe we're in a good spot before it gets like a little cumbersome when we like gesso a canvas and we can't walk for three weeks. (laughs) Can't move our arms. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, my last uh, body of work I made, I, I think I definitely did like tone up my arms a bit by li- lifting the paintings up and down and up and down. Cause I work flat and then I lift, put it on the wall and then I put it down and then I put it up. Oh, so yeah. I'm moving it like, you know, hundreds of times. That's good. Who needs a gym? It's keeping you fit. Well, that's kind of what I was leading to. Like is exercise do like good for you really is it good for you yeah yes it is but i mean like exercise like you need to go for a run every day or you just need to be moving whatever whatever works whatever keeps you from becoming you know stale and just creaky you know making work is like physical it's for most people i mean i'm sure there's some people who are like painting little postage stamp things or something but for most people you're moving around you gotta you gotta be in touch with your body to do it it is a physical act usually yeah let's strap on a vr headset and go to town which is (laughs) an option i guess for some yeah i guess i mean more i think sports can be dangerous i mean i know a lot of people that played sports that have a lot of ailments when they're older you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that can be the case. Well, how about you? You said you played soccer, right? Yeah. I mean, I have days where my knees are a little creaky, but I, I still exercise every day. So I feel like if I didn't do that, I would feel pretty crappy. Like, I feel like it keeps me energetic and feeling good because there yeah. are the times when, you know, you get sick and you can't exercise or you have to lay in bed for like you know a week because you get sick or something and it feels awful afterwards you know yeah and mentally you know yeah yeah i feel like it it makes me um feel good about the day i usually go at like five in the morning so i feel like by 6 30 a.m i've accomplished something already in the day so five in the morning that's impressive i just get to bed earlier than probably most humans wow it's quiet. So it's you're, nice you're, in the morning. no, I know, but you're the type, that's the type of person that if I was, happened to be driving somewhere early in the morning and I saw you running, I would think, wow, that person is really fighting depression. No, well, you could think that. I don't <laughs> run. That's depressing. Oh. I don't like running. I go to the gym. But, oh. um, no, I do it because I love to f- exercise and feel good. That's awesome. I'm not a depressive person like i'm i'm a not diehard optimist with no real serious depression knock on wood oh give so me time maybe it'll you're, no. <laughs> so you're glass half full totally yeah so am i i look at the bright side of things generally yeah i try as hard to. as it gets but i think it's just wired into me for some reason like i'll take the crappiest situation and be like well you know 
Yeah. It could have done, but, you know, we were just in a bad one. I was like, well, it could have been worse. We could all have been gone within the first couple of weeks. So, you know, no matter what it is, it's just right, like, I'll, right. I'll look at the positive side of it. Which to a glass half empty person is probably really irritating. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, what happened when you went to school? Did you, uh, did you take to it right away? The whole art thing? And where did you go to undergraduate school? It, I went to undergraduate, um, I moved from, um, North Carolina to LA. That's what I thought. You were like straight off. It's yeah. Like as early as I could. Um, what drew you to LA? The schools or the, no, I was, it was just kind of, a. I was dating somebody here in Chapel Hill and he was from LA and we, uh like went to Mexico in the summer and we're going to visit his father in LA before coming back here. And to this day, my dad says when I called him to say that we were going to like go to LA before coming back, that he looked at my mom and he was like, she's not coming back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He knew. He knew. And so I just, we lived there for a year and then I was kind of like, I need to, being, I want to go to school. I need to go to school. And went to um, Parsons, Otis Parsons undergrad, which was when it was like right downtown LA. And I lived down there, like in this crazy um, building that was a, it used to be one of the fanciest hotels in LA back in the day, the Alexandria Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then artists had taken over like the top floor of it and it was just this insane giant loft type place with crumbling walls and we broke in broken down a wall into like another floor of the place and it was kind of magical and bizarre and dangerous and um so i, I lived say, down it sounds there like a coup. was this legal activity or mm, did you just go rogue pretty rogue yeah yeah um, these are the it's LA still there. Days. These are the days when, you know, the scene of LA, like it was becoming, yeah. you know, the whole thing. And there was nothing down there. I mean, there was, people were not living downtown. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, um, but one, it's interesting cause I was just contacted recently about someone making a documentary about this guy, Bob, who was one of my roommates when I lived there and he still lives there Whoa. and he's. He's had like 70 different roommates since because seven people lived there when I lived there because it was that huge of a place, like 5,000 yeah. square feet. Um, so, yeah, Bob is still there. It's he's like Mitzi from the, the comedy <laughs> set. Like, he's, you know what I mean? Yes. Like the yeah. gatekeeper of generations. Yes. Yeah. An artist too? No, he's not an artist. Um, he makes... I think, well, he did retire recently, but he made like the laugh tracks for sitcoms like Seinfeld. He made, worked on the laugh tracks, which is that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is very specific. You would think that you could kill that track once and pretty much use it for most things. But I, I guess, guess not. No. A little more no. organic than we imagine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So um, so Bob rented it out to everyone? 
Bob, no, I, Bob moved there after I was there. He was somebody that, like, when a room would come open, we would all get together and sort of have people over and sort of interview who might be the, a good fit. And Bob came over one night for dinner, and he loved it. And so we all said, okay, yeah. And then, you know, people come and go, come and go. I was there for, I guess, three or four years. Um, and Bob just stayed. He, so he's, he, he's stuck. I, he stuck. I really want to see that documentary. It sounds like Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when it, when it, when it comes out. Um, another interesting thing about that and Bob and having just gotten back in touch with him because of this documentary, um, I have paintings hanging there. Like everyone that lived there, because it was a lot of artists that lived there. A lot of people would leave works or, yeah, you know. Of course. Yeah, became, you can't take everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I used to have this uh, reoccurring dreams there all the time, like intense dreams in that space. Um, vivid, vivid dreams. And I went there and saw that I still had paintings hanging there. And there's also a giant photograph of me and my boyfriend at the time that I had moved there, that I had moved to LA with a photo he had taken that's in Mm -hmm. there. And so I think that's why I was kept visiting it in my dreams because there's a part of me that's actually there. Right. And after I saw it, went and saw it in person and saw that those things were there, the dreams kind of stopped. That's funny. I know. You had to to close the circle or something. Do you have any reoccurring dreams? Mm, Not based on location, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Not that I can think of. I'm bad at remembering my dreams for like long term. I'll remember them in the morning, but not, they don't stick too long. Right. I have another one about this place I go all the time in Paris in, in a dream, this old woman's, um, apartment. I haven't figured that. So that it sounds out. like yours are <laughs> location based, you know? Yeah. Like it's like a place has a very significant role yeah. in your mind and memory. Yeah. And and I think yeah, I've never thought about it like that so much, but absolutely true. I mean, even that's how I feel about places now. Right. Places I go. I, I have very specific um connections with certain places. Right. What um what were you making out there in LA? Like what was your work like at that point? Um I was making an undergrad. Um I made a lot of sculptures and paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh I worked with a lot of people and there was just great teachers there. I worked with Brene Petropolis a lot. Um and I worked with Roy Dowell oh. and um amazing artist and human being. (laughs) And he really encouraged me to apply to go to grad school at UCLA, which I was not even really thinking about grad school. And he encouraged that. And I, I did and got in and then Larry Pittman, his partner of many years became my, my mentor for, well, he still is in a way, you know, but, uh, that's what really in, sort of probably led me into more focusing on painting than anything else. 
Right. So you were, and you were at UCLA when it was like jumping, basically. Yeah. Was that when the spin article came out? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I was, I'm in that, I'm in that article. It would be so, so interesting funny. to try to like dig that up and find, because I remember being in graduate school. When did that come out? 99? Mm, 2000? No, maybe like 97 or 98, I think. Really? I don't know. I, I'm or maybe not sure. I just I'm not good with dates. Maybe I came upon it when I was in grad school. I was in grad school in 98 and 99, and I remember seeing it because and getting annoyed with Los Angeles in general because <laughs> it was really kind of like, you know, there was a lot of like coverage on LA artists, and the faculty at my school thought that I was trying to be like an LA artist because the way my stuff looked. Oh, wow. And I didn't even really, to be honest, I didn't even really know it. You know what I mean? I was more looking at like wallpaper magazine and modernism and stuff like that. So it got annoying to me, but I, I remember I that spin article and just being like, oh my gosh, this is like, it seems weird because, you know, I was into music. I was playing music at the time too. And spin was like, you know, you think of that as a music magazine. So yeah. And Dennis Cooper wrote that article. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that was cool, crazy. You know? And I'm, you know, friends with Kevin Appel who was... I oh, think yeah. heavily featured or he was kind of blowing up at that time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, wait, did you know Ke- Kevin then? No, not at all. I met him. Oh, later. Way, we show at the same gallery here in New York. Oh. And I met him years and gotcha. years later. Gotcha. But um, it's just funny because at that time, you know, that stuff was going on. It, it was like, a, it felt, you know. Like it was a scene, you know, like it was, I'm sure it was just a bunch of artists working, you know, but I yeah. love like Jason Meadows and that work like was really Yeah, great. I know. I know. I love his stuff. And Liz Craft, I think her work is uh-huh. like really cool. She went to, I went to undergrad with her too. So we were in the same schools for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. She's super cool. Yeah. It was a lot of like really innovative stuff that I think they kind of packaged it to make it seem like it was one thing when it was really pretty diverse, you know? Very diverse. Um, yeah, I don't even, and and I think like, I think a lot of people did hang out together and like have a lot of parties and in that, I mean, the space where we had our studios was amazing and insane and gigantic. I didn't, I didn't socialize so much in that way, maybe because I had like already been living in LA and right. like new friends and stuff there uh, doing some different stuff. But, um, when I think about it now and I think about who I worked with there and the people that went there, like, yeah, Oh my God, crazy. You know, like John Baldessari hanging out with me and he went to see like a show I put on in in the back room of some random place, you know, like, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's cool. That's pretty awesome. That. Yeah, right. In the moment, you're just like, oh yeah, these are my teachers. This is my the community. But. I know, and I was so I was one of like the young because I went straight from undergrad to grad school, so I was right. pretty one of the younger people, and I didn't really know how <laughs> incredible it was at the time. You know, right. I mean, I think I knew, but not. You know, you always see it different later. To just that, I was working with those all these amazing artists um, that I had studied and seen in books and they come in and talk to you for an hour alone in your studio. I mean, you you never have an experience like that again. Right. Yeah. It's probably better that you don't know 
the the whole Maybe, totality yeah. of it because then you would be in your own head too much. You'd be like, oh my god, you know. It's That's true. A benefit to just be like, yeah, it's cool, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had so many artists in my studio in grad school that you know, if I think about it, like there was some really great people, you know, that you you realize at the time, like, oh yeah, these are you know pretty established artists. But the only thing that's weird about um, artists is no matter how big the artist is or how like you know prominent their career or whatever, they're they they never feel famous or they don't. Yeah. Mo- for most of them, don't hold like that charisma that like famous people. Like if you meet like actors or musicians where they have this aura or something. I feel yeah. like artists are way more down to earth or something. It's just like, oh, yeah, I, there's yeah. you, you know? I agree, especially, like, I. so I worked with um, Paul McCarthy right. a lot. Kindest, sweetest, you know, gentle, <laughs> gentle man. Yeah. Uh, would not, you know, um, I wonder why that is what, what you're just saying. Maybe because, you know, actors are, are their face is seen. Yeah, they're in the More. public realm. It's the they, most famous body artist is, is the, in the yeah. studio all day. Right. They're not right. like really yeah. hanging yeah. out with a lot of people usually. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're just, they don't have that charisma usually. Mm-hmm. It's more like I mean, some of them there. might be a bit like full of themselves. And I came, right. I've come across a few that might, but yeah, it's rare. It's definitely. But that's not necessarily charisma. It's just being cocky or like full of themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess there is. Yeah. I've met, I won't difference. name names, but you know, when I was in my second year of grad school, I was the person who was the liaison for visiting artists and it was at Yale. So we had some pretty big people who would come up from New York and mm-hmm. there were some people who just thought they were God's gift to humanity. I'm like, dude, like no one knows who you are outside of like an art school. You know what I mean? That's so gross. And it, they're just like being dickish because they're quote unquote famous or something. And it's like, come on. No one cares. Yeah. It's like yeah. you could be the most famous artist in the world. Like Jeff Koons could walk down Manhattan, like, you know, Fifth Avenue, and almost no one would recognize him or care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You get Ryan Gosling walking down that street, <laughs> something else happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of nice, though, like if you were to be an artist who's, you know, has a significant career, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You know? Yeah. You're just not in the spotlight. It's the work that really. Stands. Yeah. That must, that must be nice for you when you're like walking through the airport and stuff. Like, oh, I know I'm constantly <laughs> getting mobbed by my, in <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagining that is the case. Yes. Um, yes. You know. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, I love the band X, like, uh, especially like having, kind of grown up in LA, you know, Exene Cervenko was like my idol in a lot of ways. And, and my best friend, Denise, her idol as well. And we, she would, Denise would always say like, I want to be like Exene Cervenko famous. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, where like you're famous, but within like a rad group of people like know you and yeah, not just um, like random. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like, it's the kind of, you, you've got the crowd of people interested in what you're doing, and those are the right people, like, the people you feel like you want. Yeah. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll see you somewhere out. So, I'm sure she gets recognized out sometimes. I mean, I should say, I think, I don't know what she's up to now, um, but I think she probably, someone like that also probably passes all the time, and no one, yeah, like, would know who that is. Right. 
Did you, uh, when you were going to school, were you going out to see music too? Because there was a lot going on out there. Yeah, I know. I was, um, yes, I was a fair amount. And I was also going to clubs and like, like seeing a lot of, um, I was really into like hip hop also at that time. Nice. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably what related most to me playing the when I started playing the drums later after that. Uh, maybe that made a little more sense to me, like why I was drawn to the drums and could, could do it. But yeah, I, yeah, there was, there was a huge music scene for sure there. I definitely, there's more of one now in my life and living here, going out and seeing bands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I never ever imagined then that I would be doing it. You know, like I said earlier, I was got so nervous playing the drums. It was like you're the one holding everything together. You yeah. know? Yeah, you're and, the backbone. <laughs> you gotta be you on. <laughs> you gotta be on. You can't like, you know, take a little break or switch something up. Right. Um but now I now I sing in in my band and it's like you would think that that might make somebody more nervous being the front person, but it's so much freedom for me. Uh, and so it's really fun. Yeah. You can kind of move around in the song as opposed to be, yeah. you know, the framework for it. Yeah. You can really, and physically and literally move around yeah. more. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really, but I think I had to be a drummer first to be able to then be the front person. Yeah, and that to appreciate sense. that freedom too, right? Yeah. It's like the line cook who's making all the food and then you get to come out and like put the garnish on it and serve <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice. Yeah. You can get it as, well, it's, it, yeah, I would imagine it makes you stronger in that role having had the experience of being the backbone, which is, you know. Yeah, and I, I have, I mean, there's a lot of bands that, the front person was originally a drummer before. Yeah. I mean, look at Dave know. Grohl. He's amazing at, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, yeah. He was a drummer and he's Phil Collins, people like that who, yeah. you know, they can do that, you know, they have mm-hmm. that foundation. It's nice too, like what you were saying of like when you get older of just doing something different and like taking mm-hmm. that on, you know, it's, it's nice to know that you can, you know, change or you can do something different or you know if anyone would have have told me i would be you know interviewing people when i was in grad school i'd be like what do you you know what i mean well you really have the voice for it Mm, yes you do no you do i think you you kind of you can you can trick people you can learn how to use it it's it's like an instrument you know you know as a singer yeah there's like how i sound whenever i'm like just sitting at my okay so how talk how you talk Talk how you really sound. Let's hear I can't, it. The microphone adds so much <laughs> gravitas to it. You know what I mean? I love microphones now. I, I can't pass by a microphone and I don't want to like talk into it. Really? Yeah. So it's like what? Yeah. Like if you put me in a guitar store and tell me, okay, just look, you can't try any of these out. I'm going to be, it's going to hurt, you know? I, I got to fight. I wish I had written it down. I just used the mic um, literally two nights ago to record vocals for something and i've never used this one or seen it before and i don't uh, i can't think of it now but it was so beautiful and it was like the best sounding one i've ever used but it it originally was made in the 70s but like has like that same look even still but it was like looking into like this 
dark, like alien. Oh, it was so cool. That's nice, right? A nice microphone like that can really. Yeah. It can totally change. I mean, it's just like a nice guitar or a nice, you know, bass versus, you know, a chintzy model. It totally changes the. I remember when we recorded our second record, we recorded electrical audio. And then, you know, Steve Albini would come in and like share or he would, Bob would use some of his microphones. And like, it was great. Like, that was the first time I've ever saw a microphone that was unveiled from a case. You know, like it would like, it was like a billiard, yeah. like, you know, like open up the, like it was. That's how this one was. When my bandmate brought it over, it was like opening. Oh, the, light yeah, comes I out. Know. You're like, whoa. Like a, the only microphones I ever saw were like the crappy ones at clubs on the mic stand or the ones that came out of like a golf bag with like 50 other cables. Yep. It, you know. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, wow, yeah. these can be, these can be nice, you know. So what, that's cool that you worked with Steve Albini. Well, I didn't really what? work. Well, I mean, we worked with Bob, but Steve was, oh. you know, he was in the vicinity. And we watched uh, The Decline of Western Civilization. That's the first time I ever oh. saw it when we were recording our record. Oh, that's and awesome. that was uh, a fun experience to watch that with him. What was that? What is that a band you're still a part of? Or No, that was in the past. I'm, I've what? retired from, well, I play with my son sometimes. You know, we jam out or whatever. But uh-huh. uh yeah, the music side of things now is so much tied to collaborating, you know, with, because I do some animation stuff. So that's, that's the way to scratch that itch. But you uh-huh. kept, you're doing it, doing it. Do you perform all the time? Um, yeah, a lot. I took a break um, to make my last painting show because I kind of had to separate that out a bit. Yeah. Um, so I haven't in a while. And then in making that, my last show and sort of life in general, I decided to make a solo record now, which is, so that's like what I'm mainly focusing on. Um, and that's collab, just collaborations with a lot of people. I mean, you want to send me something. Oh, so you're doing, is it, so is it pretty diverse as far as like the collaborative input? Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. But, I mean, I have maybe like five or six songs so far, so there is something that's like a thread within there. I mean, not not just my voice. I mean, I'm doing the vocals and writing all the lyrics and stuff, but there's it's kind of like going back and forth, right? So right. I will send something, and then the person sends it back, and then I might say like, oh, could can you make that? guitar sound a little more like gothy or I don't know, whatever. And then, um, so that type of back and forth thing maybe is what makes it the thread, but I don't know for sure yet how, you know, I don't think they all have to, I don't even know if there has to be a thread really. Um, well, I think you're, you're probably a thread, Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's an exciting way to, to work. I mean, I've done both where you're sitting in the room and then I've done the things where you're, you know, sending stuff and it's the sending stuff's fun because it's like you, it's almost like you're unwrapping a gift every time you open a file or something, you know? Yeah. And I like to work really fast too. So like everything is within this, this moment and, um, and nothing is precious, right? Like I wrote a 48 second song in 48 seconds, um, recorded the vocals one, one take. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens to it, but I like, I like that also like that immediacy and, um, what happened what's happening right now right like let's right. let's capture that 
Um, and then some of the songs will be completely redone in a studio. Like I want to go in a studio for some of them, but some might just be like what, what we're passing back and forth. So the raw thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, there's so many musicians here that I've worked with over the years or, you know, friends that make music, um, different artists that like, like you, right. That have done it or still do it in some form that I'm like, well, send me something. Like, do you have a beat? Do you have like something that's been stuck in your head? Like I'm, I'm writing whole, I'm making whole songs just around a like uh, vocal line, right? Yeah. So in a way, like that's kind of starting starting backwards or opposite of how a lot of songs start. So I kind of like that. Also, yeah. is your um, is your studio process similar or different, or is it influenced by that at all? Or when you get into the making like your art, it's just its own process it's different like in what way well like are you ever collaborating or do you ever sort of like find yourself these days being a little more raw with stuff and not necessarily like layering and polishing and all that definitely yeah definitely the more raw stuff collaborating no um that's i uh i mean maybe a little bit in some ways collaborating um but i just don't see a realm for that as much in my studio. Um, well, other than as, that, as I do with music, other than the girls that you're taking care of in the studio. Yeah, well, right. Well, of <laughs> course. I mean, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that is true. Yeah, I should need to give her a, a little more credit. Give her a line credit in the catalog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I do in with then like making videos or other things. Um, painting i have not really i'm trying to think i've had somebody like silk screen some stuff for me but i it's harder right it's hard to think of yeah how would i mean have you done that well not could you it's funny because in my paintings and collages or whatever that's just me no one touches any of it but in the animation stuff i collaborate a lot i do with music and then my friend ben who does a lot of motion graphics stuff we work together and and uh, I've done like apps of like environments with my work. So like that stuff I collaborate. I So basically I find a way yeah. to put that in there. But I know I'm a control freak in the studio. I don't <laughs> even have an assist. I've never had anyone touching my stuff. Like I want it to be yeah. my thing. Plus like you kind of want to, well, I don't know if you do, but I kind of want to learn from it, you know? Right. And yeah. that's how I learn from it is doing it myself. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I like having the separation. I love collaborating. Like it is such a different way of using your brain and not, it's like the idea goes through your brain, another person's brain, another, another. And then what happens? Like I, that's such a beautiful thing to me. But then I, yeah, I like also just being alone. Yeah. You, I and, feel like you learn both ways. You yeah. learn on your own, like yeah. reacting to what you do. And then when you collaborate, you learn in a different way because you're being exposed to ideas about the process that you're engaged in that you wouldn't have ever thought of. Like I did a book recently from the podcast and doing that, usually the catalog is like, oh, I just decide here's here's the work that's going to be in it. And then someone writes an essay and that's like, quote unquote, the collaboration, you know. But then Uh writing a book book, it's like you have editors and stuff and there's so many people you're bouncing ideas off of. And I feel like I learned so much about 
what I feel about what I wrote and then what I feel about the podcast and talking to people through those other collaborations, Uh you know, which at first I pushed back a little bit because, you know, artists, we get real territorial and like, well, it's my way. And we're (laughs) spoiled that we could just make our decisions all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's interesting when, how that translates into collaborating with other people for sure, because you have to find, the right collaborators, right? That exactly. you're, you, cause you, sometimes it's hard to explain in words how you want something. So you describe it and either the person's going to get it and, or not. And it, it's a way it's, once you find those people, you like, hold on to them. That's you know? so true. <laughs> like my friend Ben that I mentioned, like we, you know, we work together on certain things and we don't even have to it's just like we sync up like our aesthetic yeah. and the ideas and, and then we'll have ideas that feed into each other and they're like, Oh yeah, that's that's right. That works. You know? And it's, it's when you can collaborate with people like that, it's great. I mean, the same thing yeah. happens, I think with like galleries and stuff. Like if you can find someone to work with who supports what you're doing and that's a good back and forth. I mean, when you find that it's a gift, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, for my, the record I'm making now, I'm, my main collaborator is um, this guy that I've made music with over the years forever, and he's been in band. We've played together in bands and stuff, but he's the main person I'm, like, sending stuff back and forth with because he knows how I want it. Like, we're on the same page with how we want something to be buried or, like, what layers it's going to be under or right. what um, – his name is Trey, and he's – like just a genius like it's we barely even say any word, words to each other you know we just like send the thing and then it's like yeah like you said earlier i'm waiting to get it back and so surprised to see oh, it's so like, exciting right yeah it's so exciting um yeah and i love that i love that it's i'm very fortunate to work in both ways you know and you can kind of yeah. like take a break from one when you go to the other one and has there been people or anything you've been listening lately or maybe even in the studio when you're working that you've been really into? Um, I, w- I went on a long listening, like for this last body of work I made in my studio. I listened to a lot of um, Courtney Barnett and Sharon Van Etten. I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm oh, unaware. You should listen. Yeah. Um, just down a deep, deep rabbit hole um and uh sharon van etten has a new record that she just put out recently and the main one and i i listened to that but i listened to the one before that called uh, i'm not gonna remember i'm not even gonna try to do an what answer kind of that. music would you say it um i know it's i How do i you know describe it? but uh well i mean it could be swedish death metal for all i know how did you know? See? That is so crazy. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But that would have been cooler if I said was, that. It was Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Um, they're just like very amazing storytellers that fucking rock out and are very unique in their voices in terms of tone and uh, uh, phrasing and what they have to say, I think they're like pretty inspiring. Um, I'll check it out. 
for sure. And maybe that maybe it's like the storytelling also, especially with Courtney Barnett that kept that I like to listen to in the studio because I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff yeah. when I'm working. So I think that sometimes I'll when I lock into something, I'll just like listen over and over and over and over, you know. And it's yeah. kind of like, oh, I need to, I need to hear that to get going, or I need to hear that to like put me in that back in that place. Right. Yeah, to get in some sort of zone. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. No, and I music is, I like music in that way because, you know, I mean, we're so used to a painting. It's all, you get it all at once, right? right. It's all. Yeah. And then I like how music you get, um, at, you know, not all at once in pieces. And then it, it triggers the memories of hearing it before. Like, where were you? What were you doing? Right. What, you know. That is the one nice thing about a show, like a solo show is that, you don't really see it all at once necessarily. I mean, you do, but you know what I mean? It plays out over a series of images. It's almost yeah. like the record versus the signal. You know, it's it's nice. Absolutely. To, I, I love how the, the space between images, not literal space, but, you know, the that space between images, like how it informs the other images, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And the, I also like the... I also like... I mean, the whole other element of making music is performing it, you know? Right, that's I mean, true. that, and that's something I'm thinking about a lot too is how I'm not, I'm not trying to find a way to combine my art making with music, you know, not like, how do I do that? But it's fine to have them I'm curious mind. about it and it's infiltrating in ways. Like, I've <laughs> made some, like, I made this, like, washing machine sculpture that i wore out like one of the last performances and i like opened the washing machine door and my head was there and just like things like that are um interesting to me like and that that's not on the record right and that's not um that is all there at once when you see it right kind of I don't know. These are things I'm thinking about, so I don't really have it all together, but... That's good, right? We established that earlier. <laughs> it's it's nice when you don't know how it all fits yet. Yeah, maybe. May, I might need you to remind me of that some, another time in, in life okay. after we after we win our uh, Lottery? money. I'll yeah. send you a voice recording, a voice memo. <laughs> you can always play it. Okay. It's better to not know Deal. it. Know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so well, it sounds like you split up the process a little bit occasionally of like working in the studio and working on music. What are you working yeah. on now? What's the latest, um, the solo record, right? Which yeah. is in process. And if you, yeah. you just had a show at Shrine, right? It ended yeah. not too, too long ago. Yeah. In uh, June. That's cool. So, yeah. So I haven't like. I have drawings and and bits of things I'm working on, but I definitely like took had to take a little reset and then have mainly been focused on the music more at yeah. the moment. But now I'm like excited about making some paintings and I often like do you do you keep a sketchbook? I well, can I sound lame? I I, ha- I use my um my iPad 
and I have it has a little pen. Like I draw a lot on this. Oh, that's cool. So whenever wow. I, like I just went to Portugal for like a little over a week. That was like oh. the reset, you know, to like uh-huh. what uh, part? Lisbon and Cascais, uh-huh. which is like on the coast, and nice. um, and I was drawing all the time on that thing. So it it's a way for me to to keep active with that and ideas and all that stuff. But it's, it's, it's honestly more of like exercise that side of it. And then right. the ideas stem from like the collective experience of what I'm living or working on. And then kind of like, you know, this is almost yeah. fit, like drawing fitness or something. And when you make a drawing, is it, I'm just curious, are you making a drawing for, a painting or are you making just no. like filling a whole page with a drawing it's usually of my wife oh, <laughs> i just right. draw her all the time um that's and, cool in the landscape sometimes too but it's more of just the act of like oh okay looking okay and, and write it and then whenever i'm thinking about a group of paintings for a show or like if i'm moving on a new direction of stuff I usually collect photographic images that i'm taking or things that i'm researching and start to compile them and uh, in the idea of like, oh, this might germinate into a body of work. That okay. Then it creates like an anchor point for all these ideas that are floating around in my head to sort of like glom onto. And then right. when, when I'm getting ready to start painting or animating, then I'll start to do preparatory drawings. But that I usually do on the computer with a tablet. Okay. I don't know why. It's just for me that feels more like I'm getting ready, like preparatory. Uh-huh. Whereas That's this cool. Is I love sketchy. all the behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I was, no, I was asking because I have a sketchbook and I sketch a lot, but a lot of the pages will just be like squares or rectangles, like covering the whole page with like drawings within those for paintings. You know what I mean? Um, It's not really like something that is pretty that anybody would ever want necessarily, but it's for me like, oh, what is, what would this shape look like on this, um, square or rectangle you know so i've been doing a lot of that it's almost like a Man, garden, like like soil to plant seeds in yeah it doesn't look that great but like the ideas <laughs> are going to germinate out of there and then oh become, yeah you know what they become but it's, they will, it's yeah it's useful to have that process i think yeah and i've also learned over time with age that even if you think oh i'm gonna you know i'm making these drawings for these paintings or i, I want to use this etc etc like you might not use that thing but it'll come back at, at some point you oh, know yeah, like I, yeah. I can look back at sketchbooks from years ago and be like oh there's that thing i'm like doing now or you know right it's a a teaching cliche i feel like but i do that all the time where i tell students that you know you're the the future of your work you can usually find in your drawings or sketchbook like 10 years or like two years beforehand yeah, and yeah, it's interesting you say that because this show that I had at Shrine, after the whole like body of concrete work I made, and then Madeline telling me to make <laughs> paintings, I um, found this sketchbook on the floor of my studio, and I I had I saw it laying there like I, you know, but I didn't really think about it, and after a few days of it still laying there, because you know that's what happens in the studio a lot. Yeah when it gets messy, I picked it up and I'm like, Oh, you know, this is such an old book. Like, I don't even know where this came from or how it got here. And I flipped it open to a page. Um, that, and on that page was like a drawing for a painting. And it said in my handwriting, 
where have you been? Where have you been for so long? Weird. Um, yeah, from 20 years ago. I know it was so weird. And so after I, I just took that as a sign of like revisit, um, some of these shapes and, and paint. Like if this was a message to me now from my past, that's pretty cool. You, know? you need to Bob to put in like a X files theme song drop right when you read it. <laughs> well, um, that's why I was asking you earlier, you know, if anybody ever edits these, uh, uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that, that, that can happen there. when I'm, yeah. All right. I mean, maybe you're, I'll put you're it free. Do I have to clear oh the rights for it? <laughs> Don't get me too excited like that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to email Bob and get him to put live tracks all through this thing. <laughs> Hit the non-funny parts. <laughs> yeah, my sister four years older than me. <laughs> ah, that's good production. Um, but yeah, oh that's, that's crazy because I do the same thing with photos. Like where I'll look back at pictures I've taken somewhere, like, I don't know, on a trip to Miami, you know, 10 years ago. And then I'll just see the perfect image that lines up with other stuff that I'm looking at at the moment. Yeah. It could just be the sky or like side of a building and whatever. But, you know, sometimes they just need to germinate for a while and then they pop up. Yeah. I love that. And just learning. And I think you can only learn that from experience, right? That you don't have to force those things. And maybe that's what, when we were talking earlier about, um, you know, torturing yourself in ways like I don't do that now of right. trying to force anything in that way because I just know it's going to, it'll work its way in at some point if it's supposed to, you know, or if it just will. That's age. It gives you the, you, you appreciate, you know, um, patience and mm. also you just, you get tired and slower as you age. So you're, <laughs> you welcome <laughs> things taking their time. You know? Yeah, you also just don't really give a fuck as much. That's the biggest part, <laughs> the not giving a shit anymore. That's the most powerful part of it. It's so powerful. It, it supplants the feeling when you're younger of like, like I gotta, I know, I gotta, I gotta, that I gotta thing, which is ironic because as you get older, you think you'd have more of the because you'll have less time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but you just chill out. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. You know? Yeah. Or you're like, oh yeah, fuck it, I'll make a solo record. Like, right. You know, like yeah, whatever, this. whatever, just the, the, nothing is too precious. I don't think. And, or it will, the power and value of not caring anymore. What mm-hmm. people think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if someone it's amazing. You a bad review it's, or says something bad about you, you're like, man, whatever. You can't please everyone. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're going to have to do it again anyways. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, you make so a what? show and then you're going to have to start from scratch anyways. Like definitely it's always starting over, starting over. So um, but yeah, that's, woo, that's a, that takes a while to learn that. It's a gift, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you still, you know, push yourself and you're still critical, you know, you still, it's not like you give up any. No, don't get me wrong. Like I still want a good review and I still want like, you know, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Praise um, me. But if you don't, I'm not listening. Yeah. <laughs> The value of listening to the positive reinforcement and not, because right. you know how like if you get, you know, I was just saying to someone, you know, you there could be a hundred people who say good things about what you're doing and then one person grills you and you're like, you think about that one thing oh way too long. And it's like, well, if someone says something good and you don't dwell on it, then if they say something bad, you shouldn't dwell on it. This is why I don't let people in my studio, all well, besides <laughs> Madeline, um, 
until I'm finished with something because any little thing, one word, like, or one like, oh, that's an interesting blue or, oh, are you going to leave that like that? Like that just. Yeah. No, thanks. Keep them out. Like, why do I need that in my head? No. Well, it's, it's, I mean, do you, do we let people like come in the room while we're getting dressed in the morning? It's like, oh, really? You're going to, that's your body? You're going to go with that? <laughs> oh, hell no. It's like, no, I don't even me, think, let me cover this up. Think, then, you know, we'll, we'll go out the. No, I don't think, yeah, I think that married people should not like change in front of each no, other. No, no, especially. You want to keep that stuff exciting. So speaking and, like, of Seinfeld, when you were saying, it's like, this is like, <laughs> I know what you're talking you know, utilitarian. About. It's for getting yeah. around in, it's not for presentation. <laughs> right. You're talking about like the, oh, wait, that episode where they're like opening jars or like naked. Wait, which one is that? Oh God, which one is that the one? presentation one? Oh, he, oh, he, uh, Seinfeld's annoyed as that the girl he was dating was walking around nude. So he's like, I'll just walk around right. nude. And she saw right. him and she was like, oh. <laughs> and then Elaine was telling him like, yeah, that's the, the men's bodies are not for presentation. That's like, it's just for getting around it. It's like a Jeep. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Never say never, but <laughs> right, right. That's a good point. Never say never. Yeah, Another yeah, sage advice. I mean, it could also be really cool to live in a nudist colony. I don't know. I, I mean, don't think so. That's oh. some things for the imagination. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? It was like high definition television yes. when it came out, and it was like you could see every pore on someone's face. You're like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, I don't know. We don't need that much information. No. Yeah, I agree, but I would be into being like on my own island. I wouldn't wear clothes. Like, oh, totally. If I was yeah. there alone. Born free. Just yeah. running around like, yeah, yeah. that's a birthday <laughs> suit all day, every day. Especially swimming. Oh my gosh. That must be nice. Yeah. Yeah, to be unconscious about it. Mm-hmm. Like showing your artwork and no one judges it. Actually, that's not good. It's, too, <laughs> but it's like an infinite loop. Like a, like a, well, you don't want... I mean... I don't want indifference, you know. I would take someone really liking something or passionately having feelings like against it for whatever reason, right. you know, yeah. than just not anything. Yeah, not caring. Right? That's why the yeah. you know the old bad review is is a better than no review because at least they're reacting to what you're doing. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder like if whoever's writing that. They are still taking the time to write something, right? So exactly. they're, they're, there's some belief. I think they're trying to like egg you on in some way. Right. Maybe, right? Yeah. Or they I don't just know if they know the, well, I don't know if they know the power it's, uh, that they, ha- that they hold, right? But, well, good news or bad news. They don't, there's no reviews anymore. Is there, any, <laughs> is there anyone writing anything about anyone other than like an Instagram? Yeah, post? I know. It's weird. It's, you're, it's yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. So I guess we don't have to worry about that. No, nope, I don't think so. Now we just have to worry about followers and your TikTok videos getting enough. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is a joke, everyone. We're da, joking. Da, da. Criticism matters. No, yeah. There's people does. writing I mean, great things and we're all trying hard to make it. We're difference. not just, we're not making these things just for ourselves. Exactly. In a bubble, you know, we right. want to like have a conversation or raise a question or you know exactly. have something exist that didn't exist before we're asking questions of the world yeah that only right. ryan gosling can answer <laughs> fifth avenue <laughs> so, wow <laughs> that's like that needs to be you need to make that happen yeah okay I'll work it could it. be a music could be a music video maybe oh there you go 
That's a good idea. But can but can he be naked? Uh, might be tough. We'll try. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can work. Just because, just only because I'm tying it back into the like. Right, it has nothing to do with nothing to do with him. Else, of course, no, 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 it's just not at all. Purely connecting threads through this conversation. Yes. Yep, that's it. Um, where can people find your your stuff, your music, your art, like all that? Um, Other than TikTok, your dancing videos <laughs> on TikTok, which are famous. I know. I don't know how that happened. Um, uh, I have stuff on my Instagram page, which is Casey O. Cook. I'm working on a website. I had one and then I let it lapse, you know, and building a new one. And music, um, the name of the band I'm in currently in that I perform with is called Sunny Slopes. Nice. And um, we have some records out, and we'll probably be playing shows before long. And then my solo thing—I don't know—I don't even know what that's going to be called yet. So <laughs> stay tuned, okay. and maybe you'll maybe you'll collaborate with me. I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to. I don't know if I'm. I would be doing you any. Sir, I'm a little rusty at that stuff. <laughs> Sounds good. But I, maybe I'll send you a file. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Well, it was great to we'll talk. See. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You bet. It was a pleasure. Vision is recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by going to soundofvisionpodcast.com. You can find images at soundofvisionpodcast on Instagram. And you can find out more about me at brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Casey. Um, if you have a chance to check out her work, you can find it on her Instagram and her website. Just Google Casey Cook and you'll find her information. Check out Shrine Gallery where she had a recent show. Also, many thanks to Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for their sponsorship and Golden Artist Colors for their continuing sponsorship as well. If you have a chance, please pick up that copy of Why I Make Art, the Sound of Vision podcast book. $25, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Atelier Editions, Art Book, so many different places online to carry it. And uh, if you already have it, if you could leave a review for it, that would be amazing. It really helps out. So thank you for checking that out. And we've got a lot of great people coming up some great podcasts with some really fun artists coming up so make sure you stay tuned to that thanks as always for listening